Every year it happens. Someone tells me, when I was a kid, I didn't understand why they called it Monday Thursday. Like they were spelling Monday wrong. The word Monday, of course, has nothing to do with the second day of the week, but comes from the Latin mandatum, which means command or mandate. Usually the mandate is linked to Jesus's command in John chapter 13, verse 34. Love one another as I have loved you. And the washing of feet. In fact, in Roman Catholic churches, the mandatum is the foot washing ritual itself. As Christ washes the feet of his disciples, so are we to wash the feet of others. It's a sign of service. That's not our text this year, so you can all relax for another year at least. And then we have the Gospel of John, so no promises. This year, we're looking at another part of Jesus's mandate, that we eat and drink in remembrance of him. The Lord's Supper in Luke occurs in the context of a Passover meal, which itself is set during a time of communal disintegration and dismemberment. There were different parties in the Jewish world set against each other in Jesus' day. Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and different varieties of zealots. Tetrarchs and governors in the Roman Empire jockeyed for privilege and power. Luke tells us this later by explaining that before Jesus' trial, Pilate and Herod Antipas had been enemies, but afterward they were friends. Luke even tells us that this dismemberment, this disintegration, happened among groups with close affinity. Jesus, for example, had a lot in common with the Pharisees, and yet they were often opposed to each other. However, the greatest dismemberments of community happen in two places with Luke. The first is between the leaders and the people. The leaders and the people. The people, up to the actual trial, are sympathetic to Jesus. They're on his side. But the leaders are fearful. Jesus has become a problem for them, one they feel like they will have to take care of immediately. But they're afraid the people will riot. So through a series of machinations, they manage to arrest Jesus when there's no crowd present and to stir up the people against Jesus with false accusations. The second dismemberment is perhaps the most tragic of them all because it occurs within the Twelve. Judas Iscariot, one chosen to be an apostle, a messenger of the good news, turns against Jesus, incited by Satan. He doesn't only turn against Jesus, he turns against his community threatening to fracture them from the inside out. It's no accident that the argument over who could possibly betray Jesus turns into a dispute over who's the greatest, over hierarchy and privilege. It couldn't possibly be me, Lord. After all, I'm the best one here. Perhaps that's behind Jesus' woes here against Judas. They refer to the dismemberment and the fracturing of the community itself. Judas has utterly cut himself off and is a threat 
to the entire community himself, itself. But even amid all these forces that threaten the beloved community, Jesus does one simple, powerful intervention. He institutes a meal. Not a full Passover meal, not an elaborate meal, an extraordinarily simple meal of bread and wine, both of which were staples in Jesus' day, would have had everyday uses. Yet this meal is the vehicle for the body and blood of Christ, broken and poured out for the life of the world, for the life of his beloved community. The mandate Jesus gives to the beloved community here is, do this for my remembrance. Not debate over this, not fight over who's worthy and who's not, Simply do this, eat and drink. In remembering Jesus' presence among us in simple things like bread and wine, we remember his presence in the community as well, his ongoing presence. We remember the community. In the face of countless forces that wish to tear the church apart along partisan lines, conservative or liberal, orthodox or not, whatever label is in vogue these days, whatever way there is to divide people, the community is remembered and remembered by this simple meal, which is the very body and blood of Christ. There are a lot of challenges ahead for the band of apostles. Peter himself will deny his Lord. There is a literal dismemberment when Jesus is arrested. When the disciples say, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And one of them does. When Sunday morning comes around, they are a group of exhausted, despondent men, unable to hear anything that the women tell them. Yet in this meal, Jesus gives them and us his ongoing presence able to bring remembering out of dismembering. Whenever I lead a First Communion class, I'm always struck at what we're doing. We're introducing people, usually young people, but not always, into full communion with Christ. That's what's happening today. As they enter full community with Christ, they enter full community with us as well with this community of saints and the community of Christ throughout the world. They're called to serve as we're called to serve, to love as we're called to love, to remember as we're called to remember. We member them to the community so that they can remember Jesus' presence with us at this meal and everywhere else in their lives. It's quite the commission to give to first graders. But it's quite the commission to us as well. As it was to that band of fearful, impulsive, disbelieving apostles. They failed at times, just as we fail. 
we sometimes continue to dismember ourselves along human-made lines. And yet Jesus continues to be present in this meal. And he continues to give us the mandate. Do this to remember him. As we remember him, he remembers and remembers us. Amen.